afternoon. I'm Daniel Guest, and welcome to the Imagine Golf Podcast, brought to you by Imagine Golf and PXG. You can go to our site, imaginegolf.com, to see all of our offerings, including our free drills, our practice plans, our golf ebooks and videos, or to book a lesson with me at our state-of-the-art studio right outside of Philadelphia, or virtually from anywhere in the world through our partner, the Golf Live app. Com. And you can sign up for our free tips and videos that go out once a week, every week, by simply dropping us your email. All right. Well, look, um, today's podcast was inspired by um, about a, probably the last uh, three days <clears throat> out of five um, given lessons. Um, the title of today's um, a podcast is simple. It's like, stop the madness right? and fix your big miss first. Stop the madness and fix your big miss first. Um, look, uh, I give a lot of lessons, right? Sometimes uh, 10, 12 a day, right? And uh, I had three days in a row, or three three days out of a week anyway, where um, a bunch of students came in from other instructors, right? Some in the area, some not in the area. Um, and of course, in our onboarding piece where we ask a bunch of questions and we assess and get a baseline where the student currently is. And we asked them and talked to them about their their instruction experience, right? How many times they've taken lessons, where were they, how'd they go, did they work? You know, all kinds of questions, right? It's part of our onboarding. And inevitably, one of the questions is, what, do you, what were you working on? What did that instructor have you working on? And I got to tell you, man, I, I'm just amazed, absolutely amazed by the amount of students that come to us with these crazy things that instructors are having them work on. Uh, my wrist hinge at the top of the backswing, um, my lateral movement of my left knee, my getting my right hand in my back pocket, uh, getting club lag, compressing the golf ball, um, which there's, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But dude, if you're still slicing the ball... <laughs> Right? Uh, none of them are going to help you not slice it any less, right? So I, I just couldn't take it anymore, and uh, and had a had a mini meltdown of sorts in my mind, and and so I, I prepared this podcast. Look, you you've got to fix your big miss first and foremost, right? And that should be all you're focusing on, right? None of those other things matter, right? Unless you fix that big miss. How do I know? Well, because I've given 30-some thousand lessons, thirty almost 37,000 lessons. Oh, and by the way, all the top instructors in the world say the same thing, right? One, one of my contemporaries, Hank Candy, even wrote a book called Just That, Fix Your Big Miss. And he's in the World Golf Teacher Hall of Fame, for crying out loud. So I know when I tell you it's sound advice, uh, I assure you it is, right? So... What is your big miss? Well, you know, if, if I say to people, hey, and by the way, we asked just that question in our onboarding as well. Hey, man, you know, what is your big miss? I hear from about probably 50% of the students, oh, I'm inconsistent. Okay, well, I totally get that. But you're consistently inconsistent, which leads me to believe that you have a big miss, right? Um, and while there are golfers out there that, you know, are just god awful on every shot, there aren't many of you. Right? So um, almost everyone has a said pattern of a miss, okay? About 80% of you plus miss the ball to the right or slice the ball. Uh, 
So you've got to start with just a basis there as to what your big miss is, right? So if you don't know what that big miss is, or at least you're telling yourself, well, then you got to pay attention just a little bit more. So I came up with, in preparation for the for the uh, podcast today, I came up with kind of a, a, a seven-step way, right, to get better at your big miss, okay? And if you follow these seven steps, you're going to play infinitely better golf in 2024. I guarantee it. I don't even have to see you swing to tell you that uh, or, or to, to uh, confirm that, right? All I got to hear from you is that, yep, I'm going to do these seven things. I know you're going to play better golf, okay? Um, the first one is an obvious one. You've got to identify, and we kind of touched on it already. You've got to identify what that big miss is, okay? What is it? If you play five rounds, seven rounds, 10 rounds, what happens more times than not, right? And there, look, there's a shit ton of misses. I get it. There's thick, there's, or, you know, we used to say fat. Not allowed to say fat anymore. You get the idea, right? But you can top the ball. You can the dreaded shank the ball. You can, you know, you can slice the ball. You can hook the ball. You can uh, hit the ball short. You can hit the ball long, right? You can hit it off the toe, off the heel, off the top of the club on the driver some of your experts at, right? So there, there are plenty of misses, right, out there. Pick yours, all right? What is your biggest one of those? Now, you can't consist, if, if you looked at, the, let's say we picked the top seven, right? And then you took 700 shots just for the sake of, of math on this uh, podcast, right? Because you're driving and, you know, you can't look at your fingers. So I get it. Um, but um, seriously, though, right? If you had seven misses, the top seven, and you took 700 shots, there is no way, shape, or form you'd have 100 shots on each one of those misses. There'd be a bulk of the misses on one of those, and there's your big miss. So if we're doing anything, I mean anything, working on our game-wise, that's not contributing towards that big miss, you're not going to play better golf. Point paragraph. Just not going to happen. So all of you out there, right, that are worried about um, hitting the ball, you know, in the center of the face, as an example, right, that's... Well, if that's your big miss, that's perfect, right? But if you're co still coming over the top and still slicing the ball and you're worried about striking the ball in the center of the face, it ain't going to help you, man, right? So um, identify that big miss. That is step one. If you need help with that, well, get with someone that knows what they're talking about, right? If you have a friend that you trust that's a really good golfer, get with them, all right? Uh, I'm a big staunch believer and it sounds biased and I guess it is, but take a lesson. With someone that you know is good at what they do, they'll identify your big miss in five seconds, right? Um, so, but if we if we can't start there, then there, there's no – you're not practicing, by the way, anything then, right? All you're doing is ingraining more habits and you're exercising. So we got to identify that big miss first and foremost. The second step is understanding what causes that miss, right? So let's just talk in generalities. 80% of you out there slice the ball. Right. So a slice, what, what causes the ball to slice is one and one thing only. The club face is open relative to the swing path. And what I mean by that is, is if your swing path is five degrees inside to out. Right. Or excuse me. Outside to in. And the club face is open just two degrees. All right. Or the club face is turned three degrees. 
It's effectively open two degrees because of the swing path. The ball has no choice but to go to the right because golf is what the ball does, right? And it is all about physics ultimately. So you have to have an understanding, a cause and effect relationship type of understanding, or you can't fix the problem. If you, if you, if you identify that you always hit the ball or you always hit the ball to the right for a right-handed golfer, or you always slice the ball, that's step one, check. And then step two, you say to yourself, okay, well, I have no idea as to why that happens. How in the world are you going to fix it? (laughs) So you have to have that understanding, or we call it an imagine, that cause and effect relationship, right? When I do X, Y happens to the ball, okay? So whatever that big miss is, there's a cause, and the effect is obviously where, where the ball goes, but there's a cause, that relationship between the two, is what we need to be working on. That's the that's the the big miss work piece of it, if you would, right? Hey, if I stop, if I in in the slice case that I just uh, example, if I just gave you, if I close the club face just a little bit more, or even square it just a little bit more, the ball should go straighter. And guess what? It will, right? So in that case, I might say to a student, hey, and, and point to six or eight inches behind the golf ball and say, look, when your hands get here as they're coming in. That club head needs to be square. Start thinking about squaring the club there just a little bit more, if you would. And bang, before you know it, we're hitting straighter golf balls. All right. But whatever that big miss is that you identify, you have to understand not only the root cause, but the cause and effect, if you would, of that relationship. And that's not always easy for guys, right? Um, Guys play a lot on emotion and not a whole lot on feel. So you'll hit a great shot. A perfect example of that is, a testimony to that is, a guy will hit a great shot, stripe it right down the middle. Everything is perfect. Barely even felt like you hit it. And the only thing that goes through our mind is, oh, man, that was fantastic. Can't wait to do that again, right? Very rarely do we t- take that pause and take a look at, you know, hey, how did I get through the golf ball? Where were my hands in relation to the, the ball, you know, or, or relation to that impact? Where, 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 where did I cl- you know, close the club face there appropriately? Did I follow through? You get the point, right? Rarely do men do that. Women do a better job of that because everything is about feel for a woman in their in their day to day lives, but in golf, men are very much more. Um, yeah, let's go, right? Let's let's do another one of those. I got this. Right? So um, so step one, identify what that big miss is. Step two, what is that cause and effect relationship? Right. Step three is now we got to put a plan together that includes a bunch of things, right? Because a dream without a plan is just out of dream, right? So we got to put a plan together to fix that. If you say to yourself, okay, I always slice the ball and now I'm going to start trying to hook the ball, right? Well, that, that's fine, right? It's better than nothing. It's not exactly a plan, right? So uh, we got to put together a, a solid plan um, that includes a couple things, all right? I'd imagine... We're into putting plans together that are long-lasting, that are sustaining, that have a biomechanical impact on your swing. And if that's the case, it's a permanent change then, okay? So we're not into like changing someone's grip or you know exaggerating a grip to make them close the club face. We're not into any of these crazy things you see online, you know, fix your golf swing in, in you know, uh, 10 minutes or less, you know, and none of that stuff, Right. We're into putting together a rock-solid plan. 
And any plan that you put together should have a couple of these things that I'm about to go over. First one should be what we call on ball time, actually hitting golf balls. The crazy thing about golf balls is, or hitting balls is this. Number one, your subconscious mind, the biggest, the biggest piece of your mind that, that, that's uh, uh, in tune with learning, if you would, is your subconscious, right? So your subconscious mind doesn't really care whether you hit a golf ball or not, right? Consciously, we absolutely want to hit a golf ball. But we don't have to hit golf balls to get better, all right? But step one or, or in a plan is, is what is going to be the on-ball time or allotment, right? Is it once a week, twice a week, whatever it is, right? I mean, I did a whole podcast on what you're trying to accomplish and everything like that, right? If you want to, you know, reduce your, you know, we want to score below 100, then you got to practice once a week as an example. You want to score 90, twice, you know, so, but figure out. As part of your plan, how much time you're going to spend on the ball, on the range, right? The obvious next one is off the ball, right? What are you going to do off the ball? If you think all you're going to do is practice with the ball, then you're, you're, you're short-circuiting the whole process, okay? We don't need to hit 10,000 balls a month, right? 600 a day, whatever your crazy number in your head is, right? We don't need to practice like days gone by uh, of the Ben Hogan's and and uh, Sam Sneed's where they would, you know, <clears throat> hit, uh, dig your game out of the dirt, you know, and hit 600 balls or practice till my hands bleed and all that stuff. And did it work for them? Absolutely. Will it work for you? Not a chance, right? <laughs> Not a chance, right? So on ball and off ball, two different things. The next we need to have some set of drills. I'm a huge believer in drills, right? Now, they got to be the appropriate drills, albeit, right? But <clears throat> get with someone and, uh, and identify what your problem is and then get them to get you a set of drills. If you don't have the ability to get with someone or you're not going to spend <clears throat> pardon me, any money on lessons, then do your best to identify your challenge, right? And then only do drills around that challenge. Right. So if you're slicing the ball, only do anti-slicing drills. And there's thousands of them. All right. Um, we're huge. <coughs> pardon me. We're huge. I need a cough button, man. <laughs> um, we're huge on our, our proprietary 777 uh, drill protocol. Right. We're doing drills in sets of seven. Right. Seven repetitions, I mean, in sets of three. Um, and again, we did a whole podcast on that. But pick a drill that you can do on the range and pick another drill that you can do at home. Right. You, again, getting back to what I said earlier, you don't have to hit balls constantly to be working on your game, okay? But drills are important. You have to have the right swing thoughts as well, right? So again, if you're slicing the ball and we got to get you to close the club face a little bit more, then I need you to swing more towards right field or what we say at Imagine 1 o'clock. So you got to have that swing thought in your mind, right, <clears throat> to get the, your mind to help you produce the, the, uh, the path that we want. All right. If you have a reverse pivot situation where uh, the weight, if you would, is going more left on your left front side than it is on your right side, then maybe the swing thought is, hey, I got to get more weight to my right heel. But you get the point, right? You've got to have the correct thought pa pattern and process or it's simply not going to happen. All right. You've got to do things in slow motion. Slow motion and exaggeration are two ways that the brain picks up on things quicker and faster. So if you can do them, right? If you could do the drills as an example in slow motion or exaggerating them, what do you think will happen? Hmm. You're going to get better, right? <laughs> quicker, 
All right. So slow motion is important and exaggeration. The last, and I'll give you an example of exaggeration that, that's not often talked about. And, and I stole this from Hank Haney as well, man. But um, for someone that comes over the, t- let's say a lifetime golfer, they've been golfing for 25 years and they still come over the top after 25. That always cracks me up, right? But 25 years they've swinging over the top or 25 years they've been slicing the golf ball. And that's pretty hard to break that pattern, right? They, they've <clears throat> swung so many times, right, incorrectly. That I get it. Their body and their mind just won't seem to cooperate. So Hank does this pretty cool thing where he, he takes the swing and starts doing it backwards or counterclockwise. And guess what happens? It feels completely different, obviously, because it's going the opposite way. But you will not make the same mistakes going backwards as you do going your regular stay, uh, forward, if you would. So it was a, a unique way, if you would, to kind of break the mental and physical pattern and break the paradigm that golfers have, right? So that's an example of exaggeration that has been proven to work, all right? So let's just go over those points again on how to put your plan together. The first is on-ball time or range time. The second is off-ball time or time at home. Drills would be the third, both home and on the range, and we're big proponents of that 777 protocol. The The last two are thoughts, and slow motion and exaggeration. That, all those components have to be part of a golf plan, right, to, to, to golf improvement, I should say. Or it's just a dream, right? You can't play your way to better golf, right? <clears throat> Not going to happen, all right? Um, I know what you're saying. Oh, Daniel, you know, I, I played a lot last year. Or, you know, three years ago I <clears throat> was single and I played all the time and I, I played better. Yeah, of, of course you did. Right? Will you play better than if you don't play? Yeah, I get it. But just playing does not make someone better at their big miss. I assure you. Okay, or everybody would be a good golfer. <laughs> right? And the handicaps haven't changed in over fifty years. Right? So I know I'm right. All right. So that's number three. Put a plan together. Number four. This is where a lot of golfers go wrong. Set a regular cadence. I know life is crazy, but if you don't set a regular cadence, you're not going to get better at golf. If you look at the professionals as, a, as a, an example, they practice every day, every day, each and every day for relatively the same amount of time every single day. Well, they're professionals. That's what they're supposed to do, Daniel. I, I get it. But if you correlate getting better at golf to something, say, like working out as an example, right, <clears throat> you can't go to the gym once every 17 days, right? You can't go uh, Monday, one week, Friday, the next, skip a week. It just doesn't work that way. But people absolutely think that's how it works with golf. And again, when you just say things out loud, it just doesn't work, right? So set a regular cadence as much as possible. And that cadence should include the range time, the golf on ball time, and the golf off ball time for sure. Number five is review your progress after a set amount of time. (coughs) Excuse me. Review your progress after a set amount of time. I don't care what that time frame is, right? I think I like shorter blocks of time, right? Three weeks to make any long lasting and permanent change is a minimum, right? But I like three, four, six week timeframes. If you're not seeing any changes 
in those types of time frames, you're not doing it right. You know, <laughs> we just got, I just got done a lesson where this lifelong slicer in one hour, right, hit 17 draws in a row on the last 17 shots. 17 in a row, okay? If we could do that in one hour with somebody, right, imagine what you could do in three weeks, three months, six weeks, whatever the time frame is. You get the idea, right? But if you're not going to set a time goal, then again, it's just a dream, a pipe dream at that, right? So you've got to have this goal and this time, this plan. You got to have the goal. You got to have the plan, and that plan has to be attached to time. Okay, so that's number five, and number six then is just adjust. After you review that, adjust. Well, what does that mean, Daniel? I don't know, right? Because I, I don't see you. I don't know exactly what you're, what's going on, but I do know this. If it's not working after, let's call it four weeks, then something has to change, whether it's the drill sets, the cadence, the amount of time. You know, and the, the, I can go on and on, but something has to change. So, you know, it, <clears throat> if we're doing the same thing all the time and expecting different results is the definition of chaos, or excuse me, insanity and chaos for that matter, <laughs> but insanity, right? So, um but if I could point to one thing that a lot of people don't even consider when they want to get better at golf, right, is give themselves a time commitment and stick to it, right? So review your, your progress after a set amount of time and then make some adjustments. Change things up a little bit. Maybe you do need to take a lesson, right? Um, maybe you should change things significantly. Maybe you should tear down that swing because it's been 35 years you've been swinging the same way and you're tired of slicing the ball, right? Well, you get the idea, right? You cannot keep, keep consistently doing the same thing and expecting different results. And then once we adjust something and, and we get stuff that are working, right? Repeat it. Repeat that type of process for the next thing that you're working on in golf. Because God knows that golf is a crazy hard game. You only got to play a couple times, right? To know that it's crazy hard and crazy mental, right? And with that in mind, when you fix that slice, you're going to wake up one day and something else is going to be going on, right? And many of you go from slicing to hitting the ball straight to hooking the ball. And that's, that's a natural progression, right, over time. And that's not necessarily a bad. Actually, that's a really good thing. But it's just as frustrating now. All of a sudden, you're hooking the ball, right? And, you're, and you, you, you would kill to hit a ball straight, right? And, and prior to that, for 35 years, you'd kill to hit a ball, you know, to the, to the left side, right? But you get the idea, right? Golf is is very fluid, and which makes it one why it's one of the best games ever, you know, on the planet for that matter, right? But at the end of the day, right, repeat the process, right? All you're changing now is what is the big miss? It's a new miss, and I guarantee you're going to have another one. You think professional golfers don't go through a change <clears throat> in their golf game, in their life, in their swing? You're out of your mind. I mean, Tiger's had to reinvent his swing no less than four times, four times. <clears throat> Plenty of these guys have reinvented themselves over and over and over again. So you get the idea, right? But there's a rock-solid seven-step plan for anybody to play better golf, right? So to recap, first and foremost, get on the mindset, get on the bus, get, get behind the concept that you've got to fix your big miss, first and foremost right? The first step is identifying that miss. The second step, understanding the cause and effect relationship of that miss. When I do X, Y happens. Then step three, put a plan together. 
We talked about what that plan needs to include. Step four, set a regular cadence. Step five, review your progress after a set amount of time. And the importance of that time should be three, four, six, eight weeks max. Number six, adjust accordingly after that time frame. And then number seven is repeat the process once you feel like things are actually working well, right? <laughs> I apologize for coughing so much today. I've, I just came off a, a cold, if you would, but that's it. If you'll follow that program, and look, even if you don't follow that program, if you just commit to the title <laughs> and just say, hey, I'm going to fix my big miss and I'm not going to work, work on any of these other crazy things that I opened the podcast with, you're going to be better. And you're going to be thanking me for it, all right? All right, so listen, that's, uh, that's today's cough-filled podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, hit the follow button wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check out our site, imaginegolf.com. And you can follow us on all our social media platforms, including YouTube. We're on all of them. And uh, here's to getting you the game that you've always imagined. <laughs>